Hello and welcome once again to A Functional Approach with Dr. Jim Cheltis. My name is Dr. Jim Cheltis and today I want to talk about fats. It is indeed a hot topic out there. It is um, a topic that is up for uh, much debate, I suppose. There are, are various camps in the fat uh, consumption and fat-free worlds. Uh, we, we certainly have the fat-free people. Um, usually they're doing that from a place of, you know, um, wanting to watch their weight perhaps themselves um, and not become fat themselves, if you will. Um, and then there's also the keto people, the ketogenic diet people, which is like the absolute opposite um, spectrum of, of fat. They're eating tremendous amounts of fat. And interestingly, um, they also tend to do that to, to lose weight and it does work. So, hey, what's the right choice for me or for you, right? Uh, those are all things that I, I'm hoping to kind of talk about today. So, you know, in in a nutshell, I kind of want to discuss some, some various forms of fat that you're going to be exposed to, things that you can actively choose, you know, for or against in your diet. You know, we've all heard about saturated fats and, you know, they've, they've been quite demonized over the decades, particularly from the 80s. Um, I'll get into that a little bit. Um, and then we have these things called monounsaturated and polyunsaturated and trans fats, right? So, you know, what are those things? <laughs> They're just weird chemical sounding terms to a lot of us, right? Um, I want to give you a little bit of the chemistry involved in just what that is. Um, I will try not to bore you with chemistry. I'll try to put it in a, a picturesque way that kind of makes sense if I, if I can do that. Um, because I think it's important to understand, to get that visual in your mind of, of this, this chemical structure and what's going to happen to it, you know, in the pan or in the fryer or, you know, what, what exactly goes on because that makes a difference for the physiology, right? So if you can start to choose the fats accordingly, you can really provide for yourself some, some benefits or, you know, um, you can stop yourself from harming yourself over time, you know, that kind of thing. We all know, you know, how lovely it is to eat a fried donut. Um, and, and that's something to balance, right? Because we want to be able to enjoy our foods, right? But at the same time, we also need to protect our health. And so where's the balance there? A donut is wonderful. Um, forgetting all the gluten and sugar for a second. Um, the, the fried nature of a donut adds to its enjoyment, absolutely. Uh, I think collectively as humans, we, we all kind of enjoy that taste and that experience of fried foods. And um, at the same time, we all know that it's just really bad for our health, right? So where's the, where's the, the difference there? How, how do we kind of choose appropriately? I hope that you do enjoy things that are even bad for you at times. I think that that adds to the spice of life. But if we can create a, you know, a just a background, you know, a basis of, of healthier fats in the diet, we're going to have more resilience uh, against these kind of negative donut, quote unquote, donut iconic foods that are going to enter our bodies at some point. Okay, so I want to describe some of the difference in the chemical structure. That's important. And then you have um, situations where the fats just go bad. They're just rancid, you know. Um, another chemical type name for that would be to oxidize. I want to discuss about oxidized fats and oxidized oils um, because that's a big deal. 
And uh, and lastly, I think I'll just kind of discuss a little bit about um, you know the the inflammatory and anti-inflammatory concepts around fats because we desperately need fats to control our our ability to inflame when appropriate and anti-inflame most of the time hopefully right we want a balance of inflammation and non-inflammation uh, we need the fats to do that in large part so i will discuss that as well and you know and how that really ties into cardiovascular health perhaps because i think um, that's really what a lot of people are thinking about when we think about fats right it's it's am i going to get heart disease is it going to be that gooey cholesterol stuff in my artery all right, so we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Um, so without further ado, I, I, let, let's get into it a little bit. Um, I want to start because I'm going I'm to start and finish with the cardiovascular concept. I want to start with um, this notion of, you know, saturated fat, um, cholesterol, you know, all that kind of stuff leads to heart disease. Right. There, there were some some studies. I think it was in the late 70s, possibly early 80s. I think it was the 80s when the first statin drug ever actually um, came out, you know, at the market. And um, it was found from, uh, I guess you'd call it an herb, red yeast rice extract. It's a it's a yeast that grows on rice um, in the presence of, you know, certain conditions and other microorganisms. And it, it they developed this compound which helps the body. I suppose helps would be the right word. It stops the body from as effectively producing cholesterol in the liver and, you know, sending that outward into the bloodstream. So it all kind of started back then. And as it, as it turns out, it really was a flawed study. And it was also um, kind of part of a larger campaign by the sugar industry. This is all published <laughs> out there. Um, really, the sugar industry was trying to, um, you know, lose some of the heat that it was getting and so it was it started to vilify cholesterol and saturated fats and that just sort of stuck it's now a multi-billion even trillion dollar industry in the statin and you know prescription there's millions of them now <laughs> I, I i exaggerate there are um quite a few different statin drugs and they break in just billions of dollars a month right especially globally so that that's a very difficult concept to kind of um you know challenge if you will. Um, but that's kind of how it all started. So most of us listening to this podcast, especially are, uh, I mean, I'm 48 now. Um, so anybody around my age, a little younger, but absolutely older, like my parents' generation, um, you know, we're just taught that in the 1980s that like that, that saturated fats and, and even fat in general is just bad. It's just bad for you. It's going to give you heart attacks, and it's going to make you obese and all that business. And um, and as we've kind of plotty plotty forward here over the decades, uh, and the literature is absolutely disproving these things. Um, the low-fat um, push was probably one of the worst things that's that's happened um, to our diets over the years because what happened was they took away the fat and they had to make that food taste good so they added other things right that were, that were not healthy um, they were adding types of um you know fats that weren't you know they'll say no saturated fat zero zero percent saturated fat but what did they add to it they added all these other kinds of fats uh, for times there it was the trans fats or it was a lot of the um, you know hydrogenated oils and i'll get into the chemical stuff in a minute but um so that's i just wanted to give you that background of, of kind of where we're all going um 
with this in, in our in our history to present and, and that's just still to this day it's just it, it's kind of a four-letter word isn't it it's just we don't want to talk about it because boy i might have a little bit of extra fat on my tummy or my booty or something and, and i associate that with this this fat on my plate right um, it just doesn't work that way it's just not that simple right so i, ho I hope that if nothing else that gets through um, really you you have more problems with the fat from a calorie perspective when you're combining it with the carbs so that lovely donut is loaded with frosting all over it or icing or it right and it's and it's made of simple refined carbohydrates which just turn to sugar and then it's all saturated in these in these horrible industrial um, seed oil deep fried fats which you you put the two together and yes that that is going to cause just havoc in your system um, but there's better ways to do it right so I'd like to talk about saturated fats. You know, it's um, you find saturated fats primarily in animal proteins, uh, you know, animal foods rather. You know, meats, dairy. You know, heavy cream that's going to have a lot of saturated fat. But it is found in the plant world too. So think about things like coconut oil or palm oil. Um, all of those things. If you're talking about beef tallow or lard or bacon grease or coconut oil in a jar. If you notice, provided it's not in the middle of summer in a, in a desert somewhere uh, or the tropics, it's solid. It's solid sitting on your counter, right? It's, it's, uh, it's not a liquid like your olive oil sitting right next to it, right? It's a solid. And it's a saturated fat that becomes that way. So if you think about what a fat is, like most things in our bodies, it's, we're all made of carbon. Carbon is the key atom that makes long chains carbons you know align themselves into chains they actually have pardon the chemistry they have the ability to bond to another atom in four directions so a carbon has four open bonds and so if you have a string of carbons then you're going to take up the two bonds and then you have these other two little open spots one on you know let's say top and bottom so you have a bond left and right because there's a carbon on each side think about pearls on a string, right? Um, the string between the pearls is one bond, so on and so forth. But you have these two little open spots on the, on the north and south side of that. Now, a saturated fat is going to have hydrogen on the outside. So think about a line of carbons, let's just call it four carbons long, and on every open edge where there's not a carbon, there's a hydrogen. That's called saturation. It's saturated with hydrogens. And what it does is, you know, the, the hydrogens have a charge. And so it keeps that string straight. You have to think of it like that. It keeps it straight and rigid, not liquidy and fluid and bendy, right? It's straight. And so in order to get it liquid, you have to add heat to really mix it all up. You have to add that energy. Otherwise, it wants to just kind of be in a solid form. So that's all a saturated fat is. It's just carbons on a, on a chain with hydrogens surrounding it all the way through. Okay, now we get to the first type of unsaturated, monounsaturated. Mono meaning one, right? That's it. So if you have a string of carbons, let's just call it 20 carbons long, one of those binding sites, one of those carbon bonds in the middle has a double bond. So that's possible with carbons too. You can actually donate two of the bonds to another carbon, and that only leaves you with 
one hydrogen uh, um, open because you have a carbon with a bond and then you have the carbon next to it with two bonds so that's three and then you just have the last one which makes four and that's a hydrogen but it, let's just say the hydrogen bonds on the bottom now that one on the top doesn't have a bond so that molecule can kind of bend now it you know it it's it's a little bit more fluid so now we're going to have our our liquid oils because that molecule is flexible and fluid you find monounsaturated oils primarily in things like olive oil avocado oil the peanut oil sesame safflower canola is actually has a is a high degree of monounsaturated also polyunsaturated but um but those are some things the better of the bunch in my opinion would be the olive and the avocado um as far as the monounsaturated a polyunsaturated is just taking that one step further poly meaning many so now if you have a chain of 20 carbons you have multiple double bonds and so you have more of these spots where the you know the hydrogen is only on one side of the molecule just making it extra kind of fluid right corn oil soybean oil canola has some some degree and certainly if you just buy like that run-of-the-mill vegetable oil um please don't do that please please don't do that if you have i'll get into it in a minute but if you have anything in your pantry that says just vegetable oil on it please throw it in the garbage immediately and and never look back it is one of the worst things that, that you can put in your body um so those are the kind of concepts saturated just means hydrogens all around the perimeter keeping it nice and rigid keeping it solid at room temperature mono it's becoming liquid uh, at room temperatures um, it has one double bond which gives it a kink in the in the thing lets it flex and poly just means it has you know a lot of double bonds and um, less hydrogens on the outside also keeping it liquid at room temperature so who cares jim who cares dr jim if it's got saturated poly on saturated whatever right what does that actually mean like what is it what's the problem here all right well it gets us to the notion of trans fats okay so if if you're consuming these mono or polyunsaturated oils provided they're of high quality and not oxidized which we'll talk about um they're, they're going to be okay as long as you're not eating them in large large quantities and like you know saturating your system with just a certain type you want balances but if you if you high heat these unsaturated fats especially the polys right if you start to give them high heat let's just say in a um in a deep fryer or in a, in a frying pan right frying pans get really really hot um it's not like a it's not like you're steaming something with like some or, or poaching something with some little fat in the pan or uh anything like that or even a sous vide which is done at like really low temperatures but like but surrounded in fat like these aren't temperatures hot enough most likely to really alter the the fat structure uh, but a trans fat is simply this this is the this is another chemical concept but it only occurs when you have a double bond right because i say when you have a double bond you have a hydrogen only on one side of that carbon now we're going to call that cis okay cis fat it just means that's the way it's supposed to be it's the way it started rather right now if you add heat to it which happens in the pan or it happens in the industrial processes of like creating these things um all it does is flip the hydrogen to the other side you know just picture it just swiveling 180 degrees 
hey, for whatever reason, that's a problem to our bodies. It doesn't understand that structure, right? The double bond always creates a hydrogen on one side and it's just, we get it, we understand that. It's hap that happens, it's in our food supply, has been forever. But if you, if you add heat to it, right? Or probably any other number of things that happen in industrial food manufacturing, um, you switch it and it becomes a trans fat, right? Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say, except for that's just not something that our bodies know how to really metabolize. It doesn't fit into our tissues. So I, I think that's an important concept here is fats are so essential to our body that it's not just this food source. It's not just this caloric energy source. It, you know, fats become our cell membranes. It, they become our brains. They become... You know, it, there's every single cell has a, as a lipid fat membrane, every cell. Okay. So that notion of you are what you eat, you really take that to heart, honestly, because if you're not taking it to heart, pardon the pun, your heart is going to be full of nasty fats. You are going to become trans fats, every tissue, right? And so then that tissue is not going to thrive. That tissue is not going to function the way it should. Um, we need to have things in our bodies that our bodies understand so that when they do become part of us, it, that part of us functions correctly, right? So a trans fat is just something that the body doesn't really quite get. They don't understand it. So we want to avoid that. We want to avoid the foods that have that, the packaged foods, right? If you want to go to, you know, Safeway or Vons or whatever and get one of those little apple pies that, that I used to eat when I was a kid, no, <laughs> those are industrialized, um, you know, foods that just are first loaded with sugar. But the second to that, they are loaded with these like, you know, these trans fats. Oh, and this leads me to another concept. Okay, so the industry does know about this, you guys. So you will see it written right on the right on the thing of, let's just say, a tub of margarine like looking stuff. Please don't eat that stuff, please. Um, it'll say zero trans fats, right? Zero trans fats. And they're not lying, okay? They're not lying. It's just what they're doing is highly unethical because the second you put that oil in the pan and you fry your egg in it or whatever you want to do with it, you are creating trans fats in the pan. So don't be fooled by these kind of like Franken food fat stuff that, that are on their label says zero trans fats. Yeah, but if you cook it, it you're making them. It's, the, it's in that chemical structure where it is just it wants to become a trans fat as soon as it, it gets heat put on it so um you know i i highly advise stick with what's natural right stick with the real deal if you want to eat some butter fine in my opinion fine try to be careful how much sugar you keep with put with that butter that's where you're going to get into the problems but butter or even some animal fat if you're into eating animal meat you know that's it's our bodies know what to do with that. It really does. I mean, there's a lot of push out there for um, various diets that don't involve animal fats or animal proteins, but I'm sorry, I just don't buy it. I don't buy it personally. Um, you know, I don't agree of one diet for anybody that it's the right diet. Maybe uh, an animalist diet is, is great for a lot of people, but I just struggle with the notion that human the human animal has evolved for so many quite literally hundreds and thousands of years before we were even actual like homo sapiens 
um, consuming these things. You know, um, evolution has a way of of selecting for the things that that work right. Um, it, it's very very rare, and I can't think of anything um, in all of my training, <laughs> my all of my undergraduate work in biology, even um, that that demonstrates the continuation of something as important as diet and metabolism um, that isn't um, a benefit to that organism. All right. I, I just don't see it. So, and I can tell you that the people I see that come into my office that one are the healthiest in the blood chemistry and two are the, um, the people that were the sickest and then got themselves out tended to eat kind of like a paleolithic type diet, very low grains, very low sugar, um, you know, plenty of animal proteins um, that does include animal fats, the saturated fats, um, and tons of, of fibrous vegetables. And then, of course, being active and athletic. Uh, those tend to be the healthiest. And I mean, all the way down to their cholesterol panels and all the rest. So, um, you know, you don't really know where you're at until you start having a look. But uh, I just want to kind of impress upon you all that, you know, what we've been told is kind of bullshit. I, I just, sorry for the words, but um, it's just not, it's just not accurate. It's not, it's outdated at best. Um, it is um, corrupt at worst. And I, I don't know, I don't know what else to say about that. You have to understand for yourself and see what feels right. Okay, what am I choosing? What am I choosing to put in? Am I choosing to put in some kind of a uh, polyunsaturated vegetable oil that I just put in a pan and heated really hot and fried my tofu, right? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's not as good as if you had some eggs that were kind of like, you know, cooked low, scrambled low heat with some butter and then a side of greens. I, in my opinion, that's healthier uh, for the long, for the long run kind of stuff because you are what you eat, right? And and our bodies know what egg yolks are, and our bodies know what what even dairy fat is. Um, not that we've been eating dairy all that long either. The paleo people don't eat dairy, but um, it's it's closer than than these industrialized seed oils that are trans fatified and chemically altered, right? It's a it's a much closer situation. Okay, so I think that's the main concepts I want to get past. You know, in just basic chemical structures. Now. What happens when fats go bad, right? Rancid, or or you know a better term term that we might use in this kind of a model would be oxidation of fats. Um, this usually happens. You can do that in a pan as well, but this usually happens before you even purchase your oils. Okay, so when you go to the supermarket and you're looking at the all the oils options, um, you'll see the ones that are like you know fifteen dollars or twenty dollars you'll see the ones that are $3, right? And the $3 ones are in plastic and they're clear and they're usually things like vegetable oil or canola oil or something like that. Um, those are, you have to assume, all of them are pre-oxidized. They're rancid before you even buy them. You can have an oxidation of these oils without noticing any kind of change in flavor. You don't, it's not like, when your milk goes bad and you're like, Ugh, right? It's, you won't know the difference. There is no taste difference. Um, it doesn't get cloudy. It doesn't get rotten. It's not that kind of a rancidity. It's a, it's a chemical change. Um, 
my final thing on chemistry is oxidation of any kind of concept is when that molecule starts to lose electrons and electrons are, are of course what makes those bonds so when you have an imbalance of electrons when, when things are kind of like not really paired right or settled right then that molecule becomes very reactive it wants to bond to anything it sees that also has a free electron because it takes two electrons to make a bond okay so that's enough of the chemistry <laughs> but um you can start attracting oxygen molecules to that you can you know it can, it can attach onto your vascular lining um it can it can attach imperfectly to things in your cell membranes that don't make the cells work right so you know you will absorb oxidized fats just the same as you'll as you'll absorb healthy normal fats so the more oxidized fats you have in your body the more oxidized you are okay as a as a organism you become oxidized oxidative stress why do we drink green tea and pomegranates and all that business because we're taking antioxidants right? We eat kale. We have all those, we the dark berries. We do that because we know in one way or another to varying degrees, we know that antioxidants help quench oxidation, oxidative stress, right? And in the end, it'll be the oxidative stress that kills us because what oxidizes? Everything, right? I just mentioned the lining of your arteries. You know, if, if you have cholesterol placking in the arteries, it will oxidize over time and then once it becomes thoroughly oxidized that plaque becomes unstable right so that's sort of um you know to give you sort of a rundown i said i wanted to kind of tie in this this cardiovascular concept here we all know about ldl right the bad cholesterol and i've spoken about these in some of the other podcasts on cardiovascular health but ldl gets into our circulation right and um it can become oxidized. So now we have ox LDL, oxidized LDL. These are blood tests we can actually order. We can see like maybe your LDL is normal in number, but what if a lot of it's oxidized? Way worse than if you have high LDL with no oxidation. Okay, let's just know that. We don't want those things oxidized. So basically what happens when an LDL becomes oxidized is, is several things. It's changed structurally, right? And it's unable to bind to these little LDL receptors, right? These little docking, these little ports that the, the LDLs can bind to and, and to deliver their cholesterol into the cell. Because remember, LDL is not cholesterol. LDL is a bubble that carries cholesterol. So if the LDL itself is becoming oxidized, it can't get the, the precious cholesterol where it needs to go. And then the cells tend to falter, okay? Um, they also, the oxidized LDL um, will, is considered sort of a free radical now, right? That's like that, another way of saying an oxidized compound that we would take antioxidants to help with. Um, they will bind to and damage the vascular endothelium. Remember, cardiovascular disease has much less to do with cholesterol and much more to do with the, the health of the vessels, the endothelial lining, right? They start to kind of make it inflamed and sticky and, and also permeable, right? It starts to kind of damage the, the integrity of the vessel wall itself, which can, which can lead to chronic injury of that tissue. Um, and it can lead to things like edemas and, and all kinds of things where fluids are, aren't where they're supposed to be. So it's a, it's a domino effect, right? Things start to cascade. Um, 
So they can also just get trapped. So, you know, now you have this, this vessel wall that's sort of consider it a little bit leaky. It's porous. It wants to attract those, those circulating LDLs, especially if they're very, very small. Like we talked about, the, the smaller the LDL particle, the quicker you're going to have problems. Um, but it'll get into that endothelium and become trapped. And that's really when, you know, the, the placking starts, right? And once that's thoroughly oxidized, right, then, you know, the, the immune cells will start to kind of come after it and create these what are called foam cells. And, and that's what makes the unstable plaque. That's who has the heart attacks and the strokes, right? So, okay, somebody's developing plaque. Great. It sucks. We don't want that. But at the same time, they could be just like avoiding all of these trans fats and oxidized fat sources and taking lots of antioxidants, and they may never suffer a heart attack. They just have plaque in their arteries. It's not awesome, but it's not deadly, right? We know plenty of people in our lives who have dropped dead early, right? Because it just spontaneously happened. Because that day, it just, their plaque ruptured. It was unstable. It was an oxidized plaque. Okay, um, enough doom and gloom. So the first step about avoiding these oxidized fats, right, is um, one, don't, don't eat as much deep fried food as you can because that deep frying process kind of promotes it naturally, but, and it also turns things trans to fats. But when you're buying your own for your home, okay, you want to buy, spend the money, okay, spend it if you have it. Um, you want to get the higher quality stuff. It should be things like cold pressed uh, because that wasn't used they didn't use heat to extract it they, they it was it was a, a low temperature and so the fats were not denatured they were not naturally oxidized or turned into trans fats in the process and then also um infrared sorry not infrared um ultraviolet light tends to oxidize it tends to change the chemical structure just like you you can get sunburned and you might end up with various forms of skin cancer because you mutated those dna molecules in your skin and they became a cancerous, right? Um, it's the same thing for these bottles of oil. Sitting on the counter, it's been hammered by light from you know the, the sun or just from the outside areas. Uh, and that can just be ambient light. It's bouncing around and it oxidizes the fat. So dark bottles, glass bottles, ideally, because you also don't want the plastics. The plastics are also gonna leach into that oil. Uh, it's a whole other concept. We, let me let me plant a seed. Avoid the plastic bottles in all areas of your life as much as possible. It's not a joke, okay? It is not a joke. It is a big, big problem that no one really wants to talk about because plastic bottles are so convenient. But if you're buying oils, please make sure they're dark and make sure that they're glass and make sure that they're cold-pressed oils, right? And then eat them, especially if they're monounsaturated and polyunsaturated, eat them raw as much as possible right? If you want to cook, you use some of the saturated fats because those hydrogens all around, the lack of double bonds makes them stable with heat, okay? So coconut oil in a pan, a little bit of butter, right? It's going to be a healthier fat in the end, right? Provided you're not eating too much carbs and sugar along with it, you will do just fine with that. Your body, the physiology will understand what just happened. It won't be confused with, oh, I got too much sugar and I've got too much fat and everything. I have to think about two things at once and I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to store it as fat or I'm going to stick it on my arteries or, or whatever. So 
there you have it. Um, the last concept, I, and I kind of wanted to just get into this other, this, the end result of, of fats, you know, aside from being a part of our cell membranes and all that business, it, it helps us moderate our inflammation in our body, right? Inflammation sounds inherently negative. Um, of course, we don't like it when our joints become inflamed and they hurt and we grumble and we take, I don't know, ibuprofen or something <laughs> or go to an acupuncturist. You know, that's inflammation gone a bit too much. It might be an injury or it just might be some kind of a chronic inflammatory condition. But um, we need to have a balance of what are called prostaglandins. Prostaglandins are these, you know, think of them as little chemical messengers that that either promote inflammatory reactions or, or stop them, you know, or moderate them. We must have inflammation. If we weren't inflamed in some ways, we would be dead very quickly because we require inflammation to heal tissues. We require inflammation to activate the immune response. So you can't fight cold, for example, or a flu um, without becoming inflamed. In fact, that's a major reason why we feel so lousy when we do get sick is because the immune system sent a pretty massive inflammatory reaction because you have a, a war to fight, right? There is a COVID lurking and you feel lousy um, because your immune system is so active. So if you don't have good balances of inflammation and anti-inflammation, then disharmony sets in, right? Um, I will generalize because it's not this simple, but I'm gonna generalize, it's mostly true. The omega-3 fatty acids, we've heard of this too, omega-3 versus omega-6 versus omega-9, right? <laughs> this has to do with, you know, um, various places on that chain that, you know, that there's a certain chemical structure, okay? So, you know, an omega-3 just means that on the third carbon, there's something, right? And omega-6 is something. So it, it differentiates. Um, Omega-3s tend to be anti-inflammatory, more than inflammatory. Omega-6s tend to be more inflammatory than anti-inflammatory. However, if you don't have enough omega-6s, you also can't be anti-inflamed. You do need both. You need a balance. So um, that's one other area where the people that eat like the paleo type diets, um, especially if they're doing like grass fed and all that, or they're eating wild game or something like that, um, they are they're achieving what the people in the Paleolithic era, uh, the cavemen and women, um, were most likely getting in their diets. And that was a ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 of roughly one to one. That's, that's pretty hard to do in this country. Um, or it's still very, very healthy to be like an omega-3 um, to omega-6 of um, one to two. So like actually, yeah, omega-6s are a little higher the standard american diet sad sad right sad diet um can be upwards of 20 to 1 or 25 to 1 omega-6 to omega-3 so way way too much more inflammatory signaling going on right so gee what do you know we do have higher levels of diabetes and we do have higher levels of neurological decline and we do have higher levels of cancer and all those diseases that drive are driven by inflammation. Yes, we have all those things in this country higher than a lot of other countries, right? And that's not including all of the plastics and all of the other stuff that goes to feed that as well. Um, so the more we can kind of balance that, 
the better. Now, omega-9s, they tend to be neutral when it comes to inflammation. And there's a, a bunch of others. I just don't have time to get into all the omegas. But, but 3, 6, and 9, sometimes you'll see it in a, in a supplement form. It is my opinion not to take them all together because our diets are usually pretty full of sixes already. Even just the meat you might be eating, the chickens might have been fed with grains. Grains tend to be more omega-6 rich. So if you're eating a grain-based diet, um, breads, pastas, all that stuff. And then you're cooking with oils that are like corn oil, you know, that kind of thing, soybean oil, canolas. Those are all omega-6 rich. So you can see how it starts to get to that 20 to 1, 25 to 1. Uh, if you're eating industrialized foods, if you're eating fast foods, it's all going to be just loaded with those inflammatory omega-6. So I think that we just need, if you're going to supplement, just take the omega-3s. You know, you find them in things like, you know, flax oil, for example. But um, I think the best one is just fish oils. If you're if you're open to fish, even consuming a fish product, if you're not a vegetarian or vegan, um, get them in in fish oil form. It's a chemical structure of the omega three that the body prefers over the plant based ones. Interestingly, we actually get in some flax oil. We have enzymes that try to make it into a fish oil official oil, so to speak, right? Um, so I think just go right for it. You know, go to the fish oil, get in a healthy dose of those suckers. I recommend no less than 3000 milligrams per day of the, of the fish oil omega-3s called EPA and DHA. So don't, don't be confused by the number of milligrams in a pill. Look on the label and do the math, how much EPA and DHA combined. And if you can get that to equal roughly 3000, you're having a therapeutic effect. Okay, that is a therapeutic dose that will counteract, in a lot of cases, the overconsumption of the omega-6s. Um, you should also lower the omega-6s, <laughs> most likely. So make your own salad dressing, right? For example, most salad dressings, garbage, right? They're garbage. They're made of soybean oil. They're made of canola oil that are of the worst quality, and they are, have been sitting on the shelf oxidized right? Um, they were oxidized when they came out of the factory and then we put them in the bottle. So this is a source of things like I'm having a healthy salad. I'm having a nice little vinaigrette that whoever company has on the shelf at Vons, right? Um, no, it, it's, you just ruined your salad. Okay. It's delicious. Yes. But you can learn to make some delicious uh, salad dressings yourself with healthy oils. I like to give you know, a nice spectrum of oils. So maybe you, especially if eaten raw, so maybe you, you start with a little olive oil. Maybe you get some walnut oil. Maybe you get some flax oil. Maybe you get some hemp seed oil or some macadamia oil. Make an investment, buy these things and, and create a little oil blend. Mix it with your vinegars that you prefer. Uh, anything else you might fancy, seasonings, shake it up. And there's a really high quality vegetable oil. You can use it for marinades. You can use it you know, on, on all of your vegetables, however you want to do it, it's best eaten raw. And you're going to get that wonderful spectrum of all the different um, essential fatty acids. And then you're going to be what you eat, right? That's what we want. We want healthy tissues. We want healthy cells. Um, and you can do that. Avoid the nasties. I know they taste yummy, but they are nasties. And I think once you kind of get into it, you, you start to see it. You really start to see it. Give it another three to six months of eating that way, you actually start to feel it, right? It could be your brain functioning better. It could be your fatigue is lifting, right? It could be your skin is shinier and your hair is nicer, right? 
people might notice you and say, what have you done? You Have you gotten a makeover? And you're like, no, I just started eating different fats, <laughs> right? It can't be that simple. Um, combine that with some exercise and some lowering of your carbs and sugars, and now we're really talking, right? Now we're talking about being able to pull out of disease states in a lot of cases, um, let alone just being optimally healthy. So I think that is enough. I, I've, I've hammered you with some chemistry today, and... Uh, hope that that was well received um, in summary saturated fats carbons on a string there's there's hydrogens all around them it makes them rigid it makes them solid at room temperature the unsaturated versions have a double bond that means they're missing one hydrogen that means the the string is now flexible it becomes liquid right um, saturated fats are found in animal proteins for the most part but also things like coconut oil and palm oil um, in my opinion, they are not bad for you, okay? Respect them as high-intensity molecules. They're high-energy. They're fats, right? Um, try not to combine them with sugars as much as possible, and you will benefit from these things. Um, Monounsaturated, things like olive oil, avocado oil. Those are the big ones. Um, polyunsaturated, corn oil, soybean oil, vegetable oil, things like that. Trans fats, anything that's in a cellophane package on the shelf got trans fats in it. It might say zero trans fats. They're lying because it's going to turn to trans fats even inside the heat of your body at times. Um, but certainly if you ever cook with it, it's going to turn into trans fats. Um, you can also think about your fats being oxidized and rancid, right? You won't know it's that way by flavor. You're just going to be happy you only spent $2.50 on the bottle and you made a good purchase that day. No, you just bought yourself an early death. Sorry to be dramatic. Um, buy the high quality oils, um, you know, dark bottles, glass bottles, ideally, and um, and diversify your, your fats too, right? Eat them raw as much as possible because you're going to preserve the chemical structure of that um, and you're going to uh, have a higher quality food source for yourself. And if you do need to use a high temperature, I recommend the saturated fats. You know, they're, they're more stable. They're less likely to become altered and turned into trans fats. Like, you know, I like to use a little bit of coconut oil or avocado oil um, is pretty good too. Has a, it's, it's a mono unsaturated, but has a high smoke point. So that might be another concept. Look for oils that might even say like high smoke point or high temperature um, capacity. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll use avocado or I'll use coconut most likely. Um, and it just, it just protects it. Okay. Um, Thank you so much for your time and attention. This is a big topic. I, I did my best. I'm at 42 minutes. Um, it's much more in depth than that. I hope you can appreciate. Uh, there's there's no there's no uh, shortage of information out there. Um, there is a lot of conflicting information out there. Uh, just understand that this boogeyman concept of fats it really is quite outdated. You guys, it, it really is. Um, it needs to end. It was based on fraudulent. Um, you know, kind of corrupt uh, influences by the sugar industry and on studies that that showed things like cholesterol to promote heart disease. Um, the studies have been disproven. I, I discussed it in my, my previous episodes. Um, it's just outdated. So renegotiate your relationship with fats, right? Um, it's not a four letter word. And if it is, it's one of the fun ones. Um, and enjoy the food appropriately. There's some really wonderful food out there that is is with the right forms of fat. Okay, I'll leave you with that. Happy eating, everybody, and um, 
I wish you all good health. My name is Dr. Jim Chaltis, and this is A Functional Approach. Bye-bye, everybody.